Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Wales goes to the polls on May the 5th, and whilst we have focused on that a lot in recent weeks, there is arguably a more important election underway in Europe, and one with an outcome that has far wider repercussions across Europe, including Wales. Wales and France have links to go back centuries and are currently still entwined with the likes of Airbus being big employers in the country. France is one of the leaders in Europe, economically and culturally, so the outcome of its election has implications for us all. Joining us tonight to look at the head-to-head between Macron and Le Pen on the 24th of April is Florent Jarry, a Paris-based but not Parisian Frenchman with extensive knowledge of both countries, including the ever-important knowledge of Cardiff on Ropey Days. Hello, Florent. Yes, hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And Professor Nick Parsons. Nick Parsons lectured in French for nearly 30 years at Cardiff University, where he taught and researched French politics, specialising in industrial relations and social policy. He retired as a reader in French in 2020. Hello, Nick. Hello. Obviously, we're a podcast that focuses primarily on Wales, so I don't necessarily know how much of a knowledge our listeners have about French politics. So, Nick, could you be able to just establish a little bit about modern France? What is its economic and social outlook in general, politically? I suppose one of the things that's becoming apparent from this election that, that really confirms trends that were brought to stark light in the last election, really, I suppose, is politically that the traditional parties are just collapsing. Um, and, and what we've seen in France over the last, well, the, the National Front, the predecessor to Marine Le Pen's national rally, first really broke through in the 1980s. So over the last four decades, what we've seen is really a, a strengthening of that extreme right on French politics. Something that is now being seen as well on the left as Jean-Luc Mélenchon's La France Insoumise eclipses both the socialist and communist parties that were really the backbone of the left uh, in France since the, the post-war period. Uh, so those, those are, I think, the main trends. I mean, economically, France faces very much the same problems as the UK, I think. You know, globalisation has meant the dependence on imported materials. That's been difficult to balance with higher wages, as in all Western economies. So there's been a downward pressure on wages. There's been an attempt to reform labour markets to make them more flexible. And that has been seen by many as detrimental to workers' interests. So these these things are actually fairly common across the two countries. The, The policy responses sometimes differ, particularly in details. But, you know, what we've seen in recent years is a France hit by the 2008 financial crisis, followed by covid But the country seems to be recovering quite well from the pandemic. Uh, And indeed, you know, one of Macron's major successes, I think, has been on the unemployment front, which is now down to about seven and a half percent, which is actually in historical terms in France in the last 40 years, a very low rate of unemployment. Yeah, well, just on that last point, I'm so I'm just over that of 40 something um, and I've never known unemployment in single digits in this country. So so it's a 7.5 for me is the stuff of dreams because uh, because sort of you know impossible I, I thought um, so but I, I concur with a lot of what Nick said there I've always heard I mean for the for I say for the past 30 years this sort of repetition that okay the politicians really don't listen to the man on the street and therefore this is why the extremes are growing and I've always heard that so the past 30 40 years and, and indeed the, the extremes have been mostly on the right have been sort of creeping up. Uh, and I think we're at this stage now where they're, it's difficult to call them extremes in a way. They're actually, is part of the mainstream in a way which is just scary for some and, and very you know enthusing for, for others, of course. But I think now we, it's funny, I was reading Macron saying 
earlier, there's actually three, you know, there's the extreme right, and we've got the extreme left, so both 25% roughly, and I'm extreme center <laughs> with another 25% uh, as well. So that's, um, I think it's a funny way of saying it, but certainly it's the, the dual politics have, have exploded, as I think Nick, Nick said very well, yeah. Why do you think that is? Why have we seen this uh, move to the extremes and the sort of collapse of the traditional parties and the Socialist Party and the Republicans in France? I think it's a very complex question, and there are, I think there are many factors. You know, demographically, you've seen the decline of traditional working class in France, as in many other countries, and that provided the backbone of, of left-wing support, particularly um, of the Communist Party. And when we talk about extremes, it shouldn't be forgotten that, you know, for, for up until the 1970s, 1980s, the dominant party on the French left was not the Socialist Party, but the Communist Party. So those extremes have always existed in France. They've always had a fair strength as well. But the move towards more tertiary employment, et cetera, certainly hit the, the left parties quite hard. Immigration, of course, is a thing that's, that's been used by, by the far right to mobilise the electorate constantly over the last 40 years. And I think that the other thing that's intervened is the fact that up until the 1980s, France had never known um, a socialist government. Since that time, we've had alternation between left and right governments, neither of which or none of which have actually really made much of an inroad into the problems facing France and particularly, um, as I said before, unemployment. So I think there's been a loss of confidence in the traditional parties in the political spectrum in France to actually cope with the crises facing the country. And this has led to a bit of a lot of disaffection as, as voters seek other alternatives. Yeah, in, in a way, I think it may link us to the question of what are the big topics for this election? Because I think on, on the macroeconomic sides, yes, it's, it's under a certain angle, it's this quite impressive result by, by Macron, which you know, all his predecessors had failed, and, and all the more so impressive given the, you know, the sanitary situation that, that we've had. But actually, that's not what matters to people, in a way. The unemployment was always a big theme, and unemployment is just not a theme anymore. Actually, it doesn't even count as a victory for Macron, because it's just not a non-topic, in a way. And I think what touches people more daily, I guess, things around prices, you know, petrol prices, for example, the, the fact you had to wear a mask for two years, all these little things, I think, colour the election much more than some of the bigger themes. And actually, immigration as well which was a big theme for the, for the far right, I think is more muted this time around. And, and Marine Le Pen is, is trying to become, you know, look more presidential, more reasonable, more nice and lovely and cuddly. And, and so that, that topic has, again, has faded away. And so we're in a funny place where, you know, what is actually the election going to be, you know, voted on was well, not those big traditional themes. There's, there's a variety of other stuff which, which is happening. And that, that is confusing as well, I think, even for for me because you have different parties and it's different topics and it's this big unknown so one of the accusations that leveled in governments in wales and in westminster is that they become overly centralized is that an issue that affects france in the same way do people think that france is too paris centric i don't think so i mean it's certainly not a big topic and actually when you look at macron and le pen they've got different views on it and actually Mélenchon and le pen are very for centralization so control of the state so for example for if i take corsica you know, no autonomy for Corsica if you hear Mélenchon or Le Pen. No, because for a, yeah, it's a whole. So you can't start dividing or giving autonomy. Whereas Macron is slightly more flexible on, on that. 
I, th I think where it comes into this election is, is not so much a, a, a centralised versus decentralised view of the country, but often a, a rural-urban divide as well that you saw in the Gilets Jaunes. Rassemblement National has made a, a great attempt to try and attract those sort of what they've called a peri-urban voters in yeah. France. Uh, uh, and so in terms of electoral geography, I suppose it's not so much centralised state versus decentralised, but really urban, reasonably well-off populations in many respects versus, the, the, if you like, a peri-urban and rural poor. Yeah, I, th I, think, I, think, that's, I think that's right. And, and the, the whole, I mean, France is a layer cake of administrative levels, you know, from the town to town recruitments, the département regions, and then, and, then, and then the national state. And then, of course, you have the EU. That's a big topic. Um, so, so you have all, all these layers. But I think the, the the topic of centralization versus not has been put to bed. Um, and I agree, you know, urban versus peri-urban and rural, those those two last groups being somewhat together is a very blunt, simplistic way of looking at it, but actually it actually does work. Yeah. So this is the presidential election, of course. I mean, living in a country like the UK, we can only dream of electing our head of state. So would you be able to explain us a little bit, Nick, about how this works in relation to the Assembly Nationale. So what are, what are the powers of the president versus the powers of the, the National Assembly? And how do they sort of work with each other? Okay, um, well, once again, France is never simple to look at. It looks apparently simple, but amongst political scientists, it's called a semi-presidential system because you do have the president and you have a parliament and you have a prime minister. And according to the French constitution, it's the prime minister who is head of government. In reality, over time, through usage and custom, the president is effectively the head of government, unless he can't command a parliamentary majority. Because whatever he does, the president gives a strategic vision for the country, he determines the course of the policies that will be implemented and put before parliament, but he still has to get those policies accepted by parliament. So in the 1980s and 1990s, there were periods where French presidents had to govern uh, with a hostile parliament. And that was seemed to lead to some confusion about where power lie in France, particularly when you had two discordant voices in, in summits in Europe, etc. It created the impression of a lot of confusion at the head of government. So it, there was a constitutional reform in 2000 that said, okay, that, that basically aligned the presidential and parliamentary mandates. So they're both for five years. Previously, the president was for seven. And the presidential elections take place first because the idea is that because the two elections will be so close in time, then whoever won the presidency was likely to get a supporting parliament elected to carry out his policies. So we got the presidential election, the second round this Sunday, and then in June there will be two rounds of parliamentary elections to decide what parliament whoever wins on Sunday will have to govern with. So the, pre you know, the presidential elections are seen as the key elections, but it doesn't mean that parliamentary elections are not important because if, if whoever wins doesn't get a majority in parliament, he's going to have to choose a political adversary to be head of government effectively, or she, I should say, shouldn't preempt the result. Florent, Florent, on that point, I mean, there's lots to be said about giving president a supportive parliament, but is there ever a feeling like they should be held to account by a, by perhaps a hostile parliament that, that may produce better checks and balances. Is that something that people feel like in France when they're casting their vote? Well, well there are two times where it was felt that the constitution was actually applied in a way in terms of how government works was the two periods of cohabitation. So you had 
a president with a who had to choose a prime minister of a different different party because he did not have the majority and therefore the it was actually the prime minister who was governing and the president had this more regal role and dealt with defense and and foreign affairs and then everything else was was the prime minister and as nick says when, when they're from the same party actually because the president is has been voted in by tens of millions of people directly he or she you know, historically has been he has has the you know, very strong legitimacy and so then the, the the prime minister is sort of a right-hand man prime ministers you know come and go they're fired and and you know on, on a whim and, and then they're, they're named as well so they're really there to apply the policy of the of the president so it's a, so it's a very important election because it gives the color and i think th this time around i think it's very Macron is likely to win. I'm not saying it's not a certainty, but it's likely to win. But there's a big question mark as to who actually wins the, the what we call legislative elections um, after that, because that, that might change a lot of things um, in, indeed. By the way, so MPs are elected on a, it's a majority. So there's 577 MPs, I believe, um, and they are each elected in two rounds. And, he, and the, the one who gets most votes in that local area get, gets elected. Marine Le Pen wants to change that to, to have a proportional representation because then that would mean that instead, you know, Marine Le Pen has 25 to say percent of the votes, but actually only a handful of MPs. Um, so, so you could argue it's a good thing. You could argue it's, it's absolutely not representative. Um, and so proportional would be much more representative. The reason it is not proportional is that because in the Fifth Republic, which is the constitution we have now since 58, it was meant to deliver a stable majority and a stable and a majority for who, who he who was running the country because in the fourth um, republic so before 1958 and all throughout the 20th century there, there was no it was a parliamentary system and then there was no stability in government we had I don't know, like 40 prime ministers in, in, in 20 years and and so they were now it was meant to change that and of course now it's seen as they sort of uh, the other end of the spectrum in, in a way they get too much power perhaps and so therefore where are the checks and balances if everyone is from the same color presidential you know prime minister and and, and your your um house of parliament as well I, I think we've really really done a good job there on establishing the background of where we are on modern france and the the current uh political governance setup so if we look at the election now which is currently underway can i ask one of you to just tell us where we are in that kind of whole process, the French kind of approach. We've had a first round of voting, um, who's left after that, and then what, what's ahead. Um, Florence, you want to pick that up? Yeah, sure. So in France, you can have as many, there's no limit on the number of presidential candidates, but to be a candidate, you need 500 signatures of elected officials who will agree to you being, being a president. Um, so, so we had 12, which is usually the number, around 12, candidates every time and and then there's the two rounds of voting after the first round the first the top two qualify for the second round and there's two weeks in between so here we're in the stage again like like last like the last election five years ago where we have macron so center let's put that he's trying to to be everything for everyone in in a way versus nine le pen who's you know seen as being you know on the far right so the extreme right there and so now on sunday we will elect one of these two, and so whoever gets more than 50% of the vote gets elected president. And then as a president, he or she will then name a prime minister who then forms a, a government. And of course, there will be a first government because we have a, you know, a, we have a, an assembly, 
And then there's elections in June. And so depending on what happens there, either the government remains or the government has to change because the prime minister won't be able to govern. So it's it's all, you know, until, until late June, it's a bit of a question mark as to what will happen to France. Were there any surprises after that first round? Or is the Macron-Le Pen head-to-head, which we're now uh, in, it, was that widely expected? I, I think that was widely predicted and very much expected. Part of the surprise, I suppose, is Mélenchon's score. I mean, he increased his score on 2017, and his party is now firmly the party of left-wing opposition to Macron. But otherwise, yeah, I, I think it was one with, with, with very few surprises. I mean, first ballot last time, Macron scored 24%. Uh, this time he scored 28 So he, he's actually increased his score a bit, which did surprise me. But I, I suspect, you know, the Ukraine effect has, has helped him a bit there. The only other real surprises for me that I suppose followed a, a trend that you could see, but it, it's actually the, the extent of the collapse of the Socialist Party down to under 2%. When they had previous to Macron, the incumbent president was from the Socialist Party. Um, in five years, that party, to me, it seems like a terminal decline. Yeah, that's a big surprise. Is if you take Républicain and Socialist, that's mm. and the under two plus seven plus, yeah, plus under five. I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, so, so you're under seven percent there, which you know, 15 years ago, that was 45 percent, yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Mélenchon as you know, leader of the opposition. I think that's an interesting question because Mélenchon last time around, you know, he was a strong figure. He's a, he's a great speaker, um, de- you know, dedicated following. But then after that, he said, that, that's it. I'm, I'm doing the presidential and then I'll, I'll disappear off the scene. Uh, and he was absent for five years in a way. And then he's come back. And will he do the same thing and leave his supporters you know, frustrated because actually he, he's gone and he's just going for presidential? Or will he actually get you know, a number of you know, um, MPs, which mean that there is a voice for this party? Because last time around, there was, there was yeah. very, very few. And so, again, there is this difference at times, which is, I know, sometimes not easy for you know, outsiders to, to understand, between the presidential election, you vote for someone, and then who you vote for, which party you vote for in the legislative election. And sometimes that can go two different yeah. ways. I think this time around, the difference might be the, the, the socialist collapse. I don't know, I may be wrong, but I think it's going to be very difficult for them to pick themselves up in a few weeks um, to, to fight legislative elections and to do so convincingly. In which case, given the Communist Party is virtually a, a, an electoral irrelevance in France nowadays, um, at national level at least, and at also municipalities, that really means that the only like, useful vote, as they say, on the left, is a Mélenchon vote. The ecologists are also having trouble breaking through that 5% barrier um, they have for the last few elections. So, you know, I, I don't see anybody else on the left that's able to, to, to bring together those votes. And indeed, but it may just be that, as they, they seem to be doing at the moment, internecine fighting on the left just means that they, they lose out all round. That's not like the left at all, is it, Nick, fighting amongst <laughs> themselves? Uh, I was going to we've ask. That, we have that. We've had that in the on the right for a long time, and actually for, for a long time, the right they, they call themselves we're the stupidest rights in the world uh, because we of the internal fighting. So, so we love little factions. You know, that's yeah. why we have twelve candidates. You know, sometimes we've had thirteen or fourteen. But then it's true for for the legislative elections. Then it, the question is, will you have in any you know area a single left candidate, or will you have six? 
Um, and in many cases, you will have more than one. And so then, then there's a question of how this vote yeah. is spread, who makes it to the second round, and, and, and therefore is what representation there will be for these different parties in the, you know, in the um, Assemblée Nationale. Uh, Florent might have seen some stuff on this, but the, the, the repercussions of, of failure in the presidentials, because these parties now getting under 5% will not get their expenses reimbursed. So are they actually going to have funds to fight a decent legislative campaign? That's, I was just going to come in on that, actually, Nick, Florent. How, how are these parties funded in France? Did you say, is it where the state reimburses a certain amount of expenses? Yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's, you, you have your membership, but in France, traditionally, well, there's low membership to, to, to parties, but that, that, that will be one. And then, yes, yeah, Nick is absolutely right. You need, at least in the presidential, if you have 5% or more of the votes, then your expenses are reimbursed. Obviously, there's caps in, in this whole system. You can't go on. It's not a free spending. It's not a US system. But, yeah, and when, when you're under 5%, then it's out of your own pocket. And so, you know, Valérie Pécresse, not to name her on the right, is, you know, she had took, taken out a personal loan or, or remortgaged her house or whatever. Um, and so that, that's, she's in, a, you know, she's in financial duda uh, because, of, because of that. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. You know, will she be, or the yeah, be can be able to, to fund a, a proper campaign? That's a good question. I don't know. Well, whilst we're on the parliamentary elections, are we expecting this to be a parliament that is essentially made up of uh, Le Republic en Marche, Macron's party, Mélenchon's party and Le Pen's party? Or do you think there is still room for parties like, well, it, it, looking very unlikely that the Socialist Party will do well because they only got 2% of the vote, but we, are we still expecting to see Republicans? Could we expect to see Greens in the National Assembly? Do you, do you think that's possible or, or will it be a, a, an assembly dominated by these parties that now did better in the, the presidential election? Well, remember, the, these are elections where you vote for one person in your local area. So if you've Mélenchon, you've got 20 percent of the vote. But if, if that vote is spread equally across the country, you will have not a single member of parliament because you'll get 20 percent everywhere. So what you want is, is not 20% everywhere, you want, you want 60% in some areas and zero in others. And so in those areas where you get 60%, then you'll get elected MPs and then you can have, you know, you're represented in the parliament. So that's why it's difficult to say. And that's why, you know, some parties which can, you know, the Front National had 18, 20% of the vote nationally. Um, but because it was fairly well spread out, they had very, very few um, you know, members of parliament. So that's why there is this push towards a more a proportional system, which would completely change the makeup of parliaments. But that's not the case today. It, it, in some respects, I mean, we're in a whole new ball game uh, with the forthcoming legislative elections, because, you know, it will be suppose, the first elections when the collapse of those traditional parties has been confirmed. And, and so the impact that that will have on voters, I think, is unknown. I mean, I think Florence is absolutely right. You know, you, you've got geographically areas where the left are strong areas where the right are strong it could well be that the socialists still manage to pick up some seats in some areas likewise with the republicans yeah for me that's that's the big big question of, of, mm. of, of the elections yes. mm. i think you know if i was going to stick my head out, i'd say one thing i don't think that macron's going to get the thumping majority he had last time i think that that's pretty clear yeah so my understanding is that marine le pen when she was unsuccessful, she'd been an MP previously, but then she restood and was an MP in the National Assembly last time. But Mélenchon sort of went away from frontline politics. Do you expect him to, to to stand to be a member of parliament and to keep the momentum going that his party has now? I don't know if he said anything himself. I haven't seen anything uh, where he's given any intimation of his plans. 
No, no, I, I, I don't know either. He just said, I don't want any of my voters to give one yeah. single vote to Marine Le Pen, but that's that's as far as he went. But no, who knows? It's a different situation as well because he's the only one sticking out on the on the left. You know, so so it might be that he said, oh, there's a calling there for me, which wasn't the case five years ago. Uh, but no, no I, I don't. No one knows. Only he knows. Yeah. This is again. I'm asking you to to think in hypotheticals. And I'm sorry for that because I know how awkward that can be as a, as a as an exercise. But how different do you think this last two weeks of campaigning would be had it been, you know, had the left not been so good at splintering itself, and it had been Macron versus Mélenchon in the final round uh, of the election? Do you think that it would have a different tone? And do you think that Macron might be slightly more concerned about losing? Would it have a very different tone? Well. One thing that, that's been apparent in the last week is, is that Le Pen has, in a sense, gone back to her roots to a certain extent now that Zamor has gone and has spoken more about immigration. On the other hand, Macron has been pushing the foreign policy aspect of this election. And in, in those terms, you know, Le Pen and Mélenchon are not miles apart when it comes to NATO, when it comes to Europe. Um, so I, I suppose... On, on that side of the, the campaign that Macron is going to lead and that suits him at this stage, I don't think it would be that much different. Uh, it would focus upon Europe, building up Europe, a strong Europe for energy independence, for security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because both of his those opponents have, have more or less asked for withdrawal from NATO um, to some extent or another. And both of them are anti-European, anti-European Union at any rate. So that, I think that would probably set the tone from Macron's point of view. Obviously, well, Mélenchon, the campaign would be, I think, fairly similar to a, to a Le Pen one, focusing on cost of living issues, getting rid of the, uh, the, the anti-immigration part. But on that, Florent, on the cost of living stuff, you know, obviously, the, Marine Le Pen has, has got this over 20% of the vote. Obviously, that wouldn't split any particular way if she wasn't in the in the final round but do, do you think that the cost of living argument may see some of her voters vote for Mélenchon because of the economics do you think the economics would 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 force them that way even if they may not agree socially with with Jean-Luc Mélenchon uh, we're still on this hypothetical Mélenchon Le Pen uh, Mélenchon Macron um, <laughs> scenario um, I, I I don't know she, she's she's gone she's trying to go more social and, and say stuff which is I guess not really traditional from 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 the you know national rally uh, and trying to, to go and and get those voters would 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 they have themselves gone to Mélenchon I think it's a difficult one to to, to, to say yeah I agree with Nick you know there, there are some similarities of course we look at you know foreign policy for example we look at you know central state versus devolution of some areas uh, yes but those are not huge huge topics perhaps you know today Macron is trying to open up to the left to make sure that those who vote on the left will vote for him as opposed to not. So I think that, that's a major topic we might discuss later. But I think that, that's a major one for the, for the presidential election. But if he, if he was facing Mélenchon, would he go you know, slightly to the right to get the, the Le Pen voters? I don't know, that's a big, I, I don't know, because this is, he, she is still seen by some of my generation and older as the, you know, so the heir of of, of the of, of me, sort of a devilish politics, you know, and, and the young younger generation don't see that because they don't know her father, they don't know where she comes from, and so she seems more respectable than for those who are you know forty five and, and and over, I think. Um, so would would so by that I mean would Macron you know trying to go for the right if he was facing Mélenchon? I I that's a 
I don't think so. I, th- I think we've done a little bit of the too much on the what if uh, scenario <laughs> there. But you just mentioned Le Pen and her father, uh, Florin, and I, I was going to ask this a little later in the script, but it's pertinent now. Can you just tell us a little bit? So we've got the two candidates now, Macron and Le Pen. Can we, can either of you give us a little bit of their backgrounds? Because Macron did come from nowhere, like in the last election, and Le Pen is very much uh, part of a French political dynasty. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Macron came in very much in 2017 as the outsider, which tended to neglect the fact that he was actually Minister for the Economy under, um, under Francois Hollande, um, had been a banker with Rothschild, etc. So, you know, he came, but he came in as the outsider, pushing what I suppose is a sort of social liberal ideology, you know, very, very centrist, picking it from left and right. And last time, I think he benefited from that and being the newcomer. I mean, he explicitly said he wants to come in and break the mould of French politics. Of course, now he is the establishment par excellence because he is the incumbent president. So um, he's lost that advantage. Le Pen, uh, Marine Le Pen, the daughter of Jean-Marie Le Pen, you know, she's been brought up in, in, in the Front National ethos and, and indeed took over the party from her father. And at that point, really sought to make it a genuinely electoral machi- electable machine. Her father got through to the, the second round in 2002, where he faced Jack Chirac and, and lost by the greatest margin ever, 82% to 18%. Since that time, I think the Marine Le Pen strategy has been this one of what the, what the French call dédiabolisation, doing away with that nasty image of the Front National really uh, coming out of far-right, sometimes terrorist groups in France that were around in the 60s. So she's got that background. She has tried very hard to shed the worst parts of that background, even to the extent of kicking her own father out of the party. But I think France said it very well that beneath this more kind, cuddlier image, one that, that is always stroking cats, etc., there is still the suspicion, I think quite right, that, that behind it, things haven't changed that much and that we do see still quite an authoritarian, xenophobic figure at the head of what is now the National Rally. Just following on that theme, there's a certain disregard for the rule of law. Uh, and you know, one of her policies, if she were elected, it would be to not just try and reform or disagree with European law, but just ignore it and just say, well, you know, the primacy of French law, we will just ignore, ignore EU law, which obviously means that there would be no such thing as EU law a- anymore. And that is obviously anti- anti-constitutional today, but you know, if she, she would want to change the constitution by a referendum and get, you know, get the proportional um, elections system put, put in place. So th- there is, in, in her policies, a number of things which today no one else can say because she doesn't care if it's legally impossible to do. She said, well, you know, try me, I'll do it. Uh, which, so I think that, that's, I think that, that demonstrates what we call, you know, ex- why, why we're far right, but actually in French, it's extreme rights. And we use that word extreme because I think that is one of the, um, you know, clues, I suppose, as to, to why we call it extreme. But, but many people are very, you know, she gets, she gets still get 20 plus percent in the first rounds and, and she'll get more in the second round. So uh, that doesn't bother too much some people. I, I'm quite taken by Macron, uh, Florent. I, I just like the, the party he founded in 2016, La Republique en Marche. Uh, I come from a part of Wales where I think that would go down really well, actually. But how was his first term as president 
been on the ground like British media we don't see a lot I think what is the, you know what is the state the view of his presidential period at the moment well I think it's it's very black and white I'm tempted to say so it's a bit like Le Pen I think this is why it's interesting Le Pen there's those there's the there are blind followers and then you've got those who cannot stand what she stands you know cannot you know, accept what she stands for it was very much black and white I think Macron it ought to much to my surprise anyway it's also very much the same because he is perceived by you know a good chunk of, you know the population uh, as being you know a, a devil in his own right because seen as in the last five years being extremely arrogant being you know, not listening to the people the, the health crisis was was seen as you know authoritative and dictatorship that that that's that that word came came up time and time again in the last two years by people actually who want the dictatorship with Pen, that's a different question uh, but, but there, there is so, so he there is a lot of hate um against macron which is really visceral which means that some people would refuse to go to the election because they don't want to vote for for the pen but they can't you know, get themselves to vote for Macron either. So I think very different in 2002, Nick, you mentioned, you know, Chirac versus Le Pen. There was this sort of Republican front where everyone who was against Le Pen was going to vote for Chirac, whether they liked him or not. Even the communists said, we need to vote Chirac because Le Pen is the devil. And this 20 years on, very different situation. And they're both seen as a devil. And which is why I think there's a real, real open election. I think the trick will be for Macron is the, can he get the you know, lukewarm people to actually turn up and vote for him as opposed to say, I'm not bothered. They're, they're both devils. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to choose. So I think that's a real, so he very supported by some, but, but very much hated by, by others. So I think Fly is absolutely right. I mean, what you've got with Macron is a pretty mixed bag. And, and you know, to take the pandemic, yes, he's seen as authoritarian because you, you've got to restrict people's freedoms, etc. But on the other hand, he's, he's also been praised for the reaction because he spent 200 billion euros supporting people um, so that they didn't lose their jobs, etc. So you've got this two perceptions of the man, I think. And, and it, it does strike me that I think I think Flans are absolutely right. It's the level of abstention. How many people are going to say, I don't want to vote for either of these that, that could actually be determinant in this result? I think that brings us to what, what will make people um, consider how they're going to vote. So I, I've got a list of policy issues we've got here, which I, I'd be interested in what the French take is. But I imagine preeminently at the moment in European, any kind of politics is going to be Ukraine. And I think you touched on it earlier. But is that going to be policy issue in this election? Or is or are they on the same kind of stance on this? No, the different stances, but I don't think it's a major one. I mean, Le Pen obviously made a great show a few years ago of, of going to see Putin and shaking his hand, and and you know, Russia is is our you know best friend, etc. I'm you know I'm barely 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 caricaturing this. Um, and now now she she's certainly still thinking that Russia longer term should be should be a strong ally for France. That NATO is. The U.S. and therefore you know, evil in its own right, and that France should be independent in in a way, and but be friends with 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 Russia. I'm not saying Putin, but with Russia. Um, so, so from a sort of geopolitic or geostrategic standpoint, very different to um, to Macron, who sees you know Putin as very much as a you know dictator that uh, is doing a lot of damage and therefore should be fought. I, it's not my perception that this is a major issue in in the elections. 
I, th I think it, it, it's become more important in the last week because I think Macron has intensified his attacks on Le Pen over this. Whether he can elevate it to something that really is a crucial matter in the election, I'm, I'm not sure in the few days that remain. But the, the one way in which Ukraine has really uh, impinged upon the French election is, is one way in which um, Le Pen has been very adept at capitalising on, actually, and that is the increasing gas prices and general cost of living. You know, Florence is right. That is the primary concern of the electorate at the moment. Now, I, I think that what you've actually got in France is, and I don't know where, whether what camp has the majority here, but it seems to me that there is a basic division between people who are, if you like, globalists, outward looking, pro-EU, pro-international competition, uh, cooperation to face up to major problems facing the world, both economic security and ecological, and those that see in the face of, of these current problems a return back to the nation state. I think that that's the major division. And I suppose, you know, whoever can convince the electorate about that bigger picture, but that's a hard sell to talk about international relations and geopolitics when most people are facing cost of living crisis. I think that that's the problem that Macron has. I, I was going to say the cost of living crisis is one of the big policy issues I've got to ask about. Is that what you see on the ground? Yeah, it's, it's certainly certainly very you know present in, in you know everyday discussions and in, in, in the papers and in, in the campaign and this is one where there's a lot of recrimination against Macron uh, and I think and this it, to a certain extent and I, I guess that's his difficulty this sort of hides everything else or all the positives in a way which is yes but you know I'm, I'm, I can see that my bread has gone up by 10 cents uh, the baguettes you know and, and I, I can see that you know the, the, the petrol is now over two euros a liter and I in, in, etc and and so I think that those you know regard, regardless of whether it's Macron's responsibility you know fault or not or whether he actually you know was responsible for this I think it's a moot point is is what, what are we going to do uh, about this and, and so some of the you know so, so both candidates have policies to increase pensions. Uh, and funny enough, Macron higher than than, than Le Pen, by the way, to in increase teacher salaries, nurse and, and salaries, uh, reduce the price of you know, petrol and gas through you know um, public funding, etc. So there's sort of sim similar principle on both candidates to say we need to do something about this, and this is actually about spending more public money. So I think both are about uh, about that. Yes. You know, this is a, a bit of a weakness for Macron as well because the you, Kerry, you mentioned the gilets jaunes. I mean, at, at the heart of their uh, campaigns and protests was, of course, cost of living issues. And one of the things that's, that's thrown at Macron is he's done nothing about it. Indeed, it's got worse. He's got problems there. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's the, the policy issues are important. Um, but I think there are a few other things that are important as well. One is, I think we referred to it earlier, the reticence of some, and particularly those, those that have still got memories of the war they're dying out now but you know the, the resistance of some to vote for a far-right candidate could be telling as well you know it does sound like the policy aren't often some of the main drivers in this but i did pick up in the uk media this week that macron has promised that france will be the first country to phase out fossil fuels so is that a big issue and do either the the two candidates differ in views on climate change and how to address it? 
there is commonality of views on nuclear. I think both say we will build more nuclear plants. And this is very new because remember five years ago, Francois Hollande was all about, I'm shutting down nuclear. And, and he actually shut down one plant. And, and, and now, the, and, and French public opinion was kind of saying, all right, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but now I think there is you know, very different circumstances. So I think they, they agree broadly on, on that. However, climate change, no, Le Pen, I can't say she's a you know a skeptic, but but certainly she said we we don't well, I'm not accepting any engagements or objectives by anyone else than you know France, and we will set our own objectives every year, and we we might change them every year, as opposed to you know this is of national um, you know ur urgency, and it, it's something we we need to plan ahead for. And so, for example, she's against you know wind farms, and actually she wants to dismantle existing wind farms. She's against solar. Um, and so no further investment in solar. So, so that begs the question as to, well, okay, nuclear cancel everything, so what else? Um, so they're, they're very much, yeah, loggerheads there on part of this topic. Yeah, I think I think this is a this is a topic. I'm surprised actually that Macron hasn't capitalised on more. Perhaps he will because these Le Pen recently saying about dismantling wind farms that was that was very recent, wasn't it? Um, because yeah, but don't forget that wind farms are a local thing. So there, you know, many people see them as an eyesore, and so it's again, it's sort of, you know, mm. it's. It's an easy one to say, oh, I'm going to dismantle them. Oh, thank God, because that's a nice war, as opposed to the, the, the broader view. It's like, you know, the, the um, you know, things going, costing more. And so therefore, there's this question of, of you know, purchasing power. But when you're not in government, it's much easier to say, oh, I'm going to promise also, I'm yeah. going to change this and it's going to be much better with me. When you're in government, you're, you're in a difficult place because you've been, the, you know, you, you've been, you know, um, what was, was the term? It, on your watch, this is happening, as opposed yeah. to was. It's not my watch, so it's nothing to do with me. I will solve this. So sorry, I, I cut you across. Yeah, no, I, I, th I think that you know Macron obviously takes the, takes the the threat of climate change far more seriously than Le, Le Pen. He, he's proposed that you know the prime minister will have a direct responsibility for what he calls ecological planning. Um, so you know the, the the state will get heartily involved if Macron says or does what he says he's going to do. And, you know, I think it is a button for him to push because a lot of the French electorate are concerned about the climate. They are concerned about ecological affairs. And there were demonstrations in, 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 in um, France recently that, that highlighted this tool. And yet it, it, it's strangely absent really from this election given that. And so it, it does seem to me that it could be for Macron a theme that could be highly beneficial electorally. On the other hand, the, the criticism that he faces is you've been in power for five years and you haven't done anything about this. So why should we believe you're going to do anything now? So, you know, all of these things are double-edged swords. Yeah, and I think that's untrue because, I mean, new wind farms that, you know, on, on sea, etc. I mean, there's been lots of investment, but it's true. I, I think well, one thing we, we that is um, interesting, I think, in the last five years is that the return of the big states, as we, or the Americans would say, and the acceptance of French public of a big spending state. And I think years ago, there was, you know, left versus right was, you know, big spend versus no, reduced tax, reduced spend, reduced number of civil servants, etc. And now I think COVID change changed a lot of that. And actually Macron, although he can be very right wing on some, some topics or liberal, as some would say, or ultra liberal, as others would say, actually, you know, it's, it's, there's lots of 
public spending and spending and has actually shot through the roof and, and everyone's kind of happy with that no one's saying oh we should rein this in and mm. you, know, you know debt levels you know the maastricht um, conditions you know three percent of of, of uh, deficit and 60% of debt, et cetera. Those are for long forgotten. They're not an issue anymore when they used to be, you know, 15 years ago. So looking forward now to, to Sunday, you've, you've both spoken a little bit about voter apathy. What do you expect the turnout to be? And do you think that that will be in keeping with traditional turnout in the second round of the presidential election, or do you think it will be significantly lower? It's always a question like this. I'm today tempted to say never make predictions about the future. But, um... <laughs> You're not going to like this set of questions. No, I, I, I think there will be, it will be a narrow Macron victory. Um, to be honest, I always expected that, around about the 53 54%. I may be wrong on that. There may be a surge towards Macron or towards Le Pen at the end. But you always felt, even from the very beginning of the campaign, the antipathy towards Macron would make this a tighter run than it was in 2017 and a much tighter run not not just you know uh, a few percentage points off but and, it, and i think it will pan out that way in terms of raw turnout though nick what oh in terms of water the record was 2002 i think it was about 28 percent of, of abstentions i don't think it'll reach that high because i i, I think that voters are aware that there are some major things at stake here but given that you know, it's the same two candidates as 2017, given that the trend towards rising abstention in France is, again, decades long. I, I would think it would be about one in one in four voters staying at home. Yeah, I, I think I, I would expect it to be the worst turnout for a presidential you know, second round, because I think because of the antipathy towards, towards Macron and, and many people thinking, well, you know, I... Two different levels in a way, so I, I cannot make my mind. And then there's yes, and as opposed to voting serves no purpose because I, I think you know COVID also show showed that actually politics makes decisions that affect you very clearly, and so therefore your your choice matters. So I think that oh ça sert à rien, you know, mm. I I think is less, but the I, I can't get myself to vote for any of these what will be higher. So I would I would expect lesser turnout and therefore i think for me that would be one of the contributory reasons to a narrower margin between the two candidates and, and by that i mean actually um, less for, for for macron so that would penalize macron i suspect you still think he'll win i i, I think so um personally i'd hope so but but that's <laughs> um but yeah okay thank you very much uh, kerry i think kerry has one uh, other question before we wrap up it's not really on the, the election, gents, but um, one of the things I find is that Britain is very much steered by its media. And I've been lucky enough to work overseas quite a lot, including in France. And when you get the kind of perception from overseas, it, it can alter the way you think. I'm just wondering what the current view from France is of the UK and where we are with Brexit. And what is that kind of view from the French tabloids of the UK and how it's going and things like that? Well, there's no such thing as French tabloid. I think that's the number one. And, and, and the power of the press is quite different to, to the UK. Um, and so lesser is, is, is what I mean. I mean, one immediate, very visible impact of Brexit is the fact that Marine Le Pen does not, is not, for, is not saying Frexit, is not saying we're leaving the euro. That has gone because everyone saw how nightmarish that, that could become. And I think that contributed to, to her dropping that, that policy. I think the, the one of the 
I mean, comments are that the UK really, by excluding itself from the EU, has a lesser voice on the international stage, has less influence, and has become a sort of small nation amongst many other small nations. I think that's a, that's probably a biased view, perhaps, but that, that's certainly a perception in, you know, some of the business press, certainly, and the sort of mainstream press. Um, I don't know whether that's, that's you know, a general view, but that's, I think, the, the view is that, well, that was we still think that was a poor decision on the, uh, you know, on the part of the UK. Especially an observation I would make is that the perception of the UK government by the French government is not great. Macron has actually said you can't trust Boris Johnson. So there are many outstanding issues between Britain and France that still need to be resolved over the, the, the withdrawal agreement and the trade and cooperation agreement, such as fishing, etc. Whether a Le Pen victory would make them any easier or difficult to resolve, I'm not sure. But I think it, it does all add up to the perception of the UK being no longer an awkward partner as it used to be, but an awkward one sitting on the sidelines. Um, but I think Florent is absolutely right. The French looked at that Brexit decision and what's happened since and, and have decided that this is not a path we want to take. I think Marine Le Pen's policies will lead to a collision course sooner or later with the EU if they're followed through. But as we've seen, that collision can take place ages. I mean, it's been going on with Poland and Hungary for, for a number of years. So, But it, it, it certainly will have a major impact on the EU and its ability to function in any coherent manner. Yeah, this would be assuming, though, that she has a majority to the government. Yeah. Indeed, if she, she makes it past, yeah, past Macron and is elected, then there's a big question. And then she would say she would want proportional representation through referendum. And then, anyway, referendum would need a majority parliament to agree to referendum. She she might want to jump over that and then yeah. the anti-constitution. Lots of yeah. questions as to whether <laughs> whether she could actually govern and actually put in place her, her policies. So, yeah. but, but I think it, that's true. Not, not impossible, but certainly mm. um, not an yeah. easy one. Well, I just want to say thank you again for coming on and speaking to us. Um, and if our listeners want to hear more from Hirife, they can do so on Twitter and Facebook at Pod, and on our new website, www.walespolitics.com.